0: Hello and welcome to Sister Untold. I don't remember what I'm supposed yeah, to say. Yeah, why
1: were you so <laughs> formal? Like, hello.
0: Hi, welcome to Sister Untold. We're your sisters and hosts, Marva and Sabrina. And in this podcast, we talk about history
1: through the eyes of sisterhood. Yay! So, welcome back to Sister Untold. Um, today's episode is a little bit different i don't know i guess you want to like talk about our lives first yeah is that you like a whole list of topics that i've thought about okay um, um, yeah because i feel like every time we try to talk about something we suddenly forget who we are and can't say anything yeah
0: i have no interests, no hobbies yeah um, there are no current events
1: <laughs> i yeah. live in a rock
0: <laughs> yeah um Okay, well, so, Sabrina, welcome back to New York.
1: Yes, yeah, we're in a closer time zone now. I know. Ooh, it's just lighting. five hours away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I just got, I just landed and...
0: Literally just
1: landed. Yeah. Came home, put all of my clothes in the wash, took a shower, and then got paranoid about my towel because I touched it before I took a shower, so then I couldn't use that towel to dry off, so I just, like, mm-hmm. air-dried. Yeah. <laughs> That's not gross. That's natural.
0: Okay, Okay. you're a cave woman.
1: Yeah, and yeah, there's some gross stuff like moldy stuff, but no animals, which is what I was afraid of—is that we'd Mm -hmm. be invaded by rats or something? Yeah, and people outside like have enjoying the hot trash on the sidewalks at this time of year.
0: I know, when Sabrina moved into her apartment, soon after, they had a rat who, the rat was, like, the king of the house. Yeah. They
1: were the visitors. We had had two rats, thank you very much. But one of them, yeah, made his presence very clear and was not (laughs) as scared of us at all. And we just moved out for, like, two days. Like, my roommate and I just stayed somewhere else. (laughs) We're like, you can have it. We don't need it. The rent is half of our (laughs) income. take it (laughs) you don't need it yeah I just
0: feel like that's so what you would anticipate for New York yeah Yeah.
1: yep yep but no it's nice to be back it's weird because my roommate had been doing some crafts before we left like she does bookbinding and like everything's just still out it's like frozen Mm -hmm. in time like it's so weird and then like my plant is just like dead like completely dead (laughs) And like, I don't know, it was just like weird, like everything's the same, but not the same. I had like laundry in the dryer that I had left because we just left in like a panic. Oh my God. Yeah. It's so weird. But things in New York are a lot better now. The positivity rate is like under 1%.
0: That's so. good. Yeah. We're good I mean, like it. not emotional positivity. <laughs> no,
1: but coronavirus positivity. Um, my emotional positivity is an all-time low because I found out that my favorite pizza place that I've been missing for four months no longer serves the kind of pizza I like, and I don't even know why I came back to New York.
0: I don't know why you came back.
1: <laughs> yeah, all of my drama aside, how are you, Marla? Um.
0: Yeah, I'm good. Like I have like no drama at all in my life ever because i don't do anything and i don't leave the house Mm -hmm. so it's just like you know you (laughs) can ask me every week and every week the answer is going to be the same (laughs) so oh my gosh well i feel like well actually that's why i feel like my life is either like super 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 yeah i don't know
1: how you would describe being hospitalized (laughs) as not dramatic (laughs) same old same old but aside from that, yeah, most of the time was pretty much sample team. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I'm gonna tell you about two women in history who didn't who did have a lot of drama. See that little transition there? Yeah, very sweet. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, but yeah, before we dive in to that Sorry. story. <laughs> um, I wanna start with a quote. And it's a Mm -hmm. quote that I hate very much. Um, Good. Yeah.
0: Keeping that positivity (laughs) rate below
1: 1%. Yeah. So it says, and this is from a book by Leonard Davis called Revolutionary Struggle in the Philippines. He says, The history of the Philippines may be divided into four phases. The pre-Spanish period, the Spanish period, the American period, and the years since independence. So I read this sentence before I discovered the story that we'll actually be discussing today. Um but it just annoyed me right away because it centers Filipino history around colonization by western nations. And in fact, the Philippi- Philippines has a really long, diverse, and rich history that we're going to get more into in this episode, but I just just seeing that in like a one of the first hits on Google of like books about the Philippines just really frustrated me about, like, how, like, colonization has, like, affected the way we view other countries. It's just, like, before colonization, and then everything after that, like, and, like, we get more specific about the things after, even though there was way more years of history before.
0: I just think that it's interesting that you have such, like, a strong feelings about imperialism, because I feel like you would have totally been a little imperialist back in the day.
1: Marva, haven't you seen us? We would
0: be slaves. (laughs) You and all your manifesting, like if somebody would have been like manifest destiny, you would have been like, (laughs) all
1: right, let's do it. The branding does matter for sure. (laughs) But no, I'm super obviously anti colonialism I just don't understand it. And I complain about this all the time. I've complained about it to you, complained about it to a lot of people and no one has given me a solid answer. Just like what was going through their heads? When they just like walk into a country and they're like, "Now we own you." I don't get the logic. I feel like it's like that. What's that song? That Lana Del Rey song. The like
0: money, power, (laughs) glory. um, Isn't it? Yeah, money, power, glory. Like that is just what was going through their heads all of the time. Okay, we can put in the slice of Lana here. (laughs) No, no, we cannot. That's illegal. Oh,
1: okay. Um, Copyright lawyers, where are you? But anyways, yeah, no, I get that, but I I don't know. It just seems really not nice, and I don't know why people were so not nice for so long. And there's, like, an instance later that I think I'll mention where it's just someone who's Spanish is, like, acting so, like, alarmed that they're, like, revolting. And it's just like, yeah, obviously. Like, you came in mm-hmm. here, you told them they're all going to hell, and, like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Push like the ones you don't like away into like the wilderness. Like, of course, some people are going to be upset. Like, yeah, I don't know. Well,
0: why don't you tell us what happened first, and then we can get upset. Everyone, yeah, (laughs)
1: that's that's a good idea. Sorry, getting ahead of myself. I also want to mention that I was inspired to do this episode about pre-colonial Philippines, um, or just to look more into this period and place, because of TikTok. Actually, because I saw some episodes or episodes, some TikToks about. Um, women in pre-colonial Philippines having equal rights as men, and I was just like immediately intrigued. So just shout out to TikTok. I know that Trump is trying to ban it right now, but it has made me a more educated person. So <laughs> yeah. all right. But before we dive into our history lesson of the day, I'm gonna just give a super, it's not super brief, but considering it's thousands of years, a super brief um, recap of the Philippines. Okay. So, the Philippines is a I don't know how to say this word, archipelago. You know what I'm talking about. It's like 7,000 islands. It's like a bunch of archipelago. Arch... That what? sounds worse. <laughs> archipelago? <laughs> something the people the people who know, they know. <laughs> it's 7,000 islands like all close together. Um, and before we talk about like the actual history of the philippines i want to talk about their creation stories because they're just so different from the judeo-christian tradition and they really established the foundation for gender equality that we'll see later on listen archipelago archipelago Oh wow okay hard ch okay archipelago thank you um So unlike in the Judeo-Christian creation stories where a man is a woman is created from a man, the Filipino stories, creation stories tell of two equals. So there's two different major stories. One is that man and woman emerged simultaneously from a bamboo shoot. And the other is that they were created by God in a clay oven. Once again, simultaneously man and woman at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's just like a like. The foundation like i said of this border. let's go ladies yeah equality um so unlike some other colonized islands like tasmania which marva you're kind of an expert on and we'll get to you later in the season um the philippines was never really like untouched or isolated in fact it was considered the melting pot of asia with people from east asia south asia and the middle east immigrating there and traveling there for thousands of years and trade and cultural exchange began as early as 1000 BC where we have some artifacts that were imported. Yeah. Like from mainland Asia to, um, the Philippines. So, yeah. And the Philippines started out with Aboriginal people like every other place. (laughs) Um, and these were (laughs) black people, but around, 300, it was between the years of 300 to 1000 AD, which is a definitely a big time frame. Um, Malays came and settled there. And the mm-hmm. Aboriginal people either intermingled with the Malays, intermarrying with them and adopting Buddhism and Hinduism, which were the religions they practiced, or moved more inland. And there are still some Aboriginal people in the mountains today. And they're like really dark skinned with kinky curly hair. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so the Malays established Tondo, which was the central trading hub for the Malay kingdom. And it was a powerhouse from 900 AD to 1589. And throughout the Middle Ages, there were a lot of other self-standing city-states throughout the Philippines. And they all had their own forms of government and consisted of various ethnic groups and they would fight against each other. Some of these were Ifagoa, Ma'ai, Cebu, and Bhutan. Um, they were all long-lasting states that maintained power for hundreds and up to a thousand years around the Philippines. Thing, yeah, and Malay culture in particular is the one we're going to be focusing on. Um, so they organized society into groups of one hundred families called barangays, and barangays were led by datus, which were in turn led by rajas, kind of like a feudal like hierarchy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Would they be like kind of
0: like nobility or something, or are they? Yeah, so the the Vatus
1: would be like the nobility, I guess, and the Raja would be like Mm -hmm. the king of like many.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um,
1: And so these positions were typically held by men, but women could also lead in the absence of a male heir. And women leaders were called Dayongs, which means princess. So I want to mention one really cool Dayong because she has a great reputation. She's not our sister. Of the day, but I'm just gonna talk about her. <laughs> so her name was Dian um, Kalangatian. Sorry, Kalangaton. diane kalangatan Sorry. I'm gonna stop. <laughs> I feel so bad. Okay, this is how. Now you know how I feel every single episode <laughs> I've ever done. Um, she was the daughter of a raja and she's considered one of the most powerful leaders under in Tagalog history. And under Mm -hmm. her rule, Tondo, which is that major city we're talking about, it reached its golden age. Um, And it was, like, really wealthy and cosmopolitan um, place. Mm -hmm. And usually, Tondo leaders were democratically selected. But in her case, in the Steyang's case, she was appointed queen regent after her father died. And Mm -hmm. she also saw the kingdom of Tondo through a really critical transition to Muslim rule. Because in the early 1400s, Brunei, which is a Muslim country, expanded into the Philippines, and around 1500 they established Manila, which ultimately replaced Tondo as like the capital. Mm-hmm. And um, when this was happening, Kalangatan's son became the monarch of Manila, and he com- converted to Islam. So like she kept her family like in power, kind of by placing him in power. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so this Bruneian takeover of the Philippines, um, like of one of the Philippines strongest and most long lasting societies, which is Tondo, marks like super important turn in Filipino history. Because shortly after this takeover in 1521, a Spanish expedition led by Ferdinand Magellan um, arrived in the Philippines. And... After this, it's just no more Philippines. Actually, it's not no more Philippines. It's Philippines for the first time because they get their name from King Philip. Hmm. Um, but, oh, my gosh. I did not know that. Yeah, all. right?
0: <laughs> um, wow.
1: But basically, after Ferdinand Magellan arrived, the current Filipino leader swore allegiance to the Spanish crown and converted to Catholicism. So they've been all over the religious board this yeah, century. <laughs>
0: Religiously going all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> and so between
1: 1525 and 1564, Spain sent five more expeditions to the Philippines, and these early colonizers quote lavished praise on Filipino women for their industry and capabilities, holding them in greater esteem than men, and leading them to say to the saying that quote in the Philippines the best man is a woman and yeah okay before you celebrate there's a huge problem in our society of like emasculating Asian men and I really don't like that as a general trend culturally and historically yeah
0: but I feel like in like the world the best man is (laughs) yeah
1: no I think it's it's, it just shows yeah how impressive these women were and how they were just getting stuff done um -hmm. yeah and then okay so 1543 is when we get the name Philippines after Philip II of Spain. And then in 1570, after these five expeditions have happened, that's when they finally conquered Manila and burned it to the ground and turned it into Manila. Um,
0: Oh, yeah. That seems expensive. I know.
1: Because, okay, yeah, they did that. And then it literally took until the mid-1600s for Manila to become like a bustling port city again and like it but also why did they change the name from may to monday because it sounds like, more seems... spanish unnecessary I mean, yeah okay or something probably um mm-hmm. but yeah so by the mid 1600s now it's is back on its feet kind of um the way it had the way tondo had been in the middle ages um And Mm -hmm. the Spaniards established a common trade route between Manila and Acapulco in Mexico, exchanging goods between those two places. Seems very far. I know, right? I was thinking that too. Mm -hmm. Um, And there were disputes of power between Spain, Britain, and the Dutch. I'm not going to get super into it, but Britain did have control for two years um, in the 1760s. Um, But there was... Of the Philippines, Philippines, yeah. And they just, they went back and forth, but usually Spain um, controlled it. And by 1892, Mm -hmm. the vast majority of the Philippines was controlled by Spain, and Spanish was the main language. Then in 1896, there was a Philippine Revolution, but I don't think anything really came of it, because in 1898, America took over. And then in 1935, um, the Philippines became an American commonwealth. During World War II, Japan briefly, like, ruled the Philippines. They killed between 500,000 and a million civilians. Oh, my
0: gosh. And then until the that was 1942 to
1: 1943. And then after that, until the end of the war, they controlled the Philippines as a puppet state, which is like, I didn't know what this means. So I'm going to explain it. (laughs) Um, it's a country that is officially independent but not in practice Mm -hmm. so that was that and then after the war the Philippines became a commonwealth of America again and then 1946 I got excited because this was now like Philippine independence again it's called the third Philippine Republic but there was Mm -hmm. a dictator named Ferdinand Marcos who ruled with martial law for nine years and ruled in general from 1965 to 1986. Um, so super long time. Yeah. But, and now we got our girl power theme again. He was replaced <laughs> by Maria Corazon Aquino who ruled from 1986 to 1992. Um, and I think this is a great place to just like kind of leave the history of the Philippines because now it's in the 90s and like everything's pretty much been normal since then um but also because i think, think like a woman is the one who like was the second president of the philippines as we know it today
0: super yeah. cool i mean things in the philippines i think are pretty crazy like nowadays mm-hmm. but probably not for this podcast. yeah yeah but um question i don't know if you know the answer to this because don't they speak tagalog in the philippines now mm-hmm. So when do they transfer from speaking Spanish to Tagalog, or do they still speak Spanish?
1: Um, I'm not sure when they switched to Tagalog. Mm-hmm. So, I okay, can hold on. 1937. Okay. That's when it like um, was officially adopted. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, which makes sense. They wouldn't be speaking Spanish when they're like owned by America necessarily. Um, they could mm-hmm. have their own language again. Um, but yeah, so just yeah, with all of that under our belt about um, like women in the Philippines and Filipino history and colonization, um, we can jump into our story. Our sister. <laughs> our sister. Yes. So our story takes place really at the cusp of colonization and I tried really hard to find a sisterhood that had no Spanish influence that was just like ancient Philippines or medieval Philippines but the issue is Mm -hmm. that most of the women I found pre-1500 were like quote-unquote legendary Um, even something I read Mm -hmm. about the Mm -hmm. Dayong I told you about it was saying she's like a legendary leader. But then there was a lot of details about her, and so I was like, I don't think that's just a legend, and also like that wasn't that long ago; It was like the 1400s. But yeah, well, maybe she like became a legend, yeah. you know? Yeah. After, but for yeah, for a lot of these women, there's just not a lot of information, and yeah, it's said so, like it's legendary. So I didn't want to just like go into like towards mythology or anything. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so and but I will include like. Those other women on our blog and Instagram, if you guys are interested. Um, and so the two women we will be talking about today are Kakwenga and Louisa Balinan. So Kakwenga was a babaylan, which is the ti- a title that's held primarily by women, and the term actually comes from babaylang, which means for women only. And babaylanism mm-hmm. is a type of animism in animism is like the oldest type of religion we have in the world um it's a religion that believes that natural objects such as plants have souls and believe in a supernatural source that animates the world
0: and this anim animism Mm -hmm. this is like around the world there's multiple cultures that have this
1: religion yeah it's like a type of religion like polytheism Mm -hmm. or like monotheism Mm -hmm. animism Mm um Mm -hmm. and at the core of Babylonism I've said this word in my head so many times but (laughs) I never said it out loud I'm sorry (laughs) um so the like the core values of this religion are unconditional love belief in an afterlife and the belief that God is in all of us and that's I know right positive vibes only
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. that is way above the one percent for sure
1: (laughs) <laughs> so Babylons were mystical women who wielded both social and spiritual power and this isn't unusual considering many women were priestesses and healers in pre-colonial philippines the Babylons actually rivaled datus which if you'll remember those are the kings like kind of mm-hmm. thing, in mm-hmm. terms of power and they were able to counteract the dark magic of the datus so i was reading about how like the Datus might, like, kind of curse someone using their power, and the, like, Mm Babylons had the power to, like, undo that, and they assisted with, like, giving birth and, like, things that involve, like, life and, like, positive things more so. Mm -hmm. So, I feel like that's, like, interesting because, like, usually, like, when you hear about,
0: like, women having, like, magical powers, they're, like, witches in, like, a burn-them-at-the-stake type Mm -hmm. way. But these are, like, Glenda the Good Witches. Yeah. Like, out here saving people from the evil yeah. magic of the men. And I mean,
1: that's because like we've heard of it from like a Western perspective, and when the Spaniards come, we'll see them be like, you're all witches, we hate you. Um, <laughs> but within Filipino <laughs> culture, they were yeah a source of goodness. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, um, a woman or sometimes an effeminate man um, would become a b- b- babylon either by being called to it in a dream or through a life-altering event like illness. That was miraculously healed, or by inheriting it from an elder Babylon. And Marva, I think you're familiar with Julianne of Norwich also.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: this reminded me of her and like the medieval Christian tradition of mysticism. Because um, Julianne of Norwich and Marjorie Kemp, they both had like life altering experiences through which this, like, Christ was revealed to them. And then for the rest of their lives had like visions and were really mm-hmm. revered. And I just, I thought that was really similar, like, parallel in the Christian world. Yeah.
0: You're planning on doing an episode about that. I am, you? yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, preview. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, okay, so before Kukwenga's time, Babylons were respected spiritual leaders, and after her, they were largely erased, banished to the mountains, and branded by colonizers as witches, or mankuku Kalams, which is, like, Basically, sorcerers and practitioners of black magic. So, even within like the native language, they like branded them with a different word that's like a bad mm-hmm. word. Mm-hmm. Um, and can I just say something
0: really? Yeah, quick? like I hate that because I, uh, the one thing about history I don't understand is when like one thing can just like from like one minute yeah. to like the next, and then it's not like actual minutes mm-hmm. go from being like good to being bad. Mm-hmm. I was listening to this other podcast about um I was listening to hashtag history podcast Mm -hmm. and they were talking about um you know like in England like going from being Catholic to Protestant Mm -hmm. and like from one minute to the next it's like everybody's Catholic and it's great Mm -hmm. and then the next minute everybody's Protestant yeah yeah yeah. but like for what reason I know it's so strange to me how that happens like in life.
1: yeah yeah it is wild this episode we'll see a little bit of that transition since like that is like the benefit of doing like a an episode that's like on the cusp of colonization is like we get to mm-hmm. see those like growing pains. Um, mm-hmm. but it is really weird that like when she was born, like it would have been great to be a babylon. And like when she, mm-hmm. by the time she died, it was like everybody hates you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really crazy. Um but there was this article in Esquire actually, which is really random. Um, but
0: we have great sources.
1: <laughs> but it was about um, Kaquinga and the mm-hmm. Babylons. So the author said their fall from being one of the most respected and powerful figures in pre-colonial Philippines to one who was feared and despised represents the drastic changes that overwhelmed pre-colonial Filipino society. I just thought that was like a perfect summary of like what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, so Pequenga's religion was really important to her. And we'll see exactly how important in just a minute. But before we get into that, I want to introduce our other sister of the day, Luisa Balinan, which her original name was not Luisa. That's her Christian name, but I could not find her original name. Um, mm-hmm. So Louisa was a wealthy native Filipina. And she was sisters to a chief, and that that brother will come into play later. Um, and pretty much all of the information I have about Luisa is from this 17th century Spanish writerslash explorer Diego Eduarte, and he wrote this text. He's like a contemporary of her, like he knew her. Um, mm-hmm. this text called Historia de la Provincia del Sanco del Santo Rosario de la Orden de predicadores goodness gracious really long title um but it's like a history of this place (laughs) Um, and he yeah there's my really bad spanish accent you guys you're welcome i used to speak spanish (laughs) i still pretend to speak spanish um anyways so (laughs) he (laughs) wrote of luisa and her brother as being quote brotherly and sisterly in all things especially in following virtue they remained very firm in the faith and have aided much to bring their Indians to embrace it. And Indians here means their fellow native Filipinos. That's just what he called them. Mm-hmm. Um, and their faith, he also said that their faith surpassed all of those in the land. Um, Louisa and her brother donated silver lamps and other ornaments to their local church, and they gave food to members of their own village, as well as people from neighboring villages, since their village was, had more food. And Louisa's religious devotion went even beyond just feeding the hungry and decorating the church. She also um, would turn against her own people when they refused to give up their old religion. Uh-oh. And she would, resport, or sorry, she would report superstitious performances, quote superstitious, <laughs> um, that were being performed by some chiefs. And she would report it Louisa! to the Catholic church. Yeah. Um, but obviously... The only source we have is Diego, who's like, Catholic number one. So here's a quote Mm -hmm. um, from him about that kind of like glorifying it. And I can see his perspective and her perspective as it being like a holy, godly thing. But Mm -hmm. so he said when he and he is like a like a Catholic religious leader um, asked her if she dared to declare the matter before the guilty persons that in this way, the evil might be demonstrated and cured. She replied that she would venture, even though they should give her poison, for they were unable to avenge themselves in any other way, and she had reason to expect them to do this. Such is the spirit and courage with which she serves serves the Lord and strives for the good of her fellow men. And so little does she esteem life when there is an opportunity for her to venture it for such a noble end. So, yeah, she basically was like, they can poison, like, they'll poison me if I, like, mm-hmm. confess but it's okay. And, like, so that is really brave. Like, that is, like, noble. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, like, unfortunate that she was, like, turning against her own people. Um, yeah. But it's so tricky. Because, like, she thinks that she's doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. But
0: then, like, Nazis probably also thought they were ah! doing the right thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Not that she's a Nazi. No. But, like, you know, you can be wrong and, or you can be, yeah, you can be wrong and bad or good and wrong, or wrong and good. (laughs) Okay.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I know what what I mean? mean. (laughs) Yeah. She's still in the wrong, even though she's, like, a good person at her core. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, so with that in mind, with um, Louise's attitudes towards the Native religion and with Kakwenga's faith, like, also better understood, we come to the main event of our sisterly lesson, which is Kekwenga's Revolt. So, mm-hmm. in 1607, Luisa's brother, who at the time was called Pagulayan, asked Fray Pedro, who, like, Fray is like Friar, um, friar mm-hmm. Pe- Fray Pedro, um, from a nearby diocese. There's a lot of words I have to define in the sentence, because I don't know what any of these words mean. Um, a diocese <laughs> is a district under the, like, care of the Christian church. Diocese. Oh, diocese? I didn't know that was a word people yeah. Okay. <laughs> diocese. Um so we asked Fray Pedro to send a missionary to his village, which was further south. And Fray Pedro took a while to come around, but eventually he himself went to the village called Nalfoton. And that was in August 1607. And many of the native Filipinos were open to conversion, and they actually, Fray Pedro was really surprised to see they already had a Christian church there that they, I guess, they had just built themselves, even though there was, like, no formal European presence. Mm -hmm. Um, And Eduardo who's the author, writes that they received Fray Pedro as if he came from heaven. And at the beginning, they listened to him and obeyed him with great zeal. Which is, like, a classic Spanish thing to write. Like, they're always like, they thought we were gods. Like, uh-huh. I was like, I don't know if they really thought that. They are probably like, who are you? Like,
0: like okay, you can stay, I yeah. guess.
1: Yeah. Anyways. Um, so, however, Fray Pedro's efforts of mass conversion did not go unchallenged. Because this is the same village where our homegirl Kekwenga is from. <laughs> so in the midst of what was otherwise like a complete triumph uh, for the Catholics, some of the native people and the native people here are called the Malegue, Um, They clung to their pre-Hispanic traditions, their pre-Hispanic religion. Um, and of course, Kikwenga was among these. So she held to her religious beliefs and she convinced many other people in the village to do the same. She called for liberty and riots ensued so kukwenga and her followers killed their birds and their pigs i don't know if it was their own or like other people's but mm-hmm. they were just like killing animals um okay and tore down uh choice yeah. but go for it tore down their houses and cut down trees this is, again all they from, tore down their own houses? i don't know it's all from that same guy and like okay. i don't i think he just wants them to sound dramatic so i don't really know but uh-huh. there was some form of destruction happening Um, And not a lot of specificity according to Adore. Okay. So then they fled to the mountains after destroying the village. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that Kikwenga and her followers actually joined forces with their people's former enemies who lived in the mountains. And Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. enemy village was led by a man named Faragunan. And the village had likely the villages had likely raged war against each other for years if not generations mm-hmm. and somehow Kukwenga convinced Faraganon's people to unite against their common enemy which was the Spanish Empire so they- my enemies enemies my friends exactly yeah um, so they joined forces to strengthen their numbers and just prepare in case there was a war they weren't like actually planning a war
0: um, mm-hmm.
1: but so Kukwenga and her followers Exodus angered Fray Pedro, Pagulayan, and nothing said this, but I'm sure that Luisa was also frustrated because she spent all this time like putting like lamps in the church and like making people Christian, <laughs> and then Kukwenga's like, I'm taking everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm guessing she was also upset. Um, so basically Fray Pedro and P- Pagulayan... Um, called Kekwenga's supposed ally who's the leader of that enemy tribe Um, and they all three of the men met to talk about betraying Kekwenga and so Faraganon agreed to betray her in exchange for pardon from his crime of helping her and he agreed to Mm -hmm. enslave Kekwenga which would damage her status and Mm -hmm. hopefully reduce the support she received from the non-converting Malagweg people but that plan didn't really work because Fray Pedro's church was soon attacked at midnight on Advent Sunday um by like followers of Guinguaga so just mm-hmm. a little brief digression that is like an opportunity for another parallel between worlds and religions so um on <laughs> like sorry all right i lost my place okay um so when Fray Pedro was fleeing, he, like, placed a bunch of relics in a chest to try to, like, keep them safe. Um, but the native Filipinos found it and destroyed it. And the one who des- destroyed the portrait of Mary apparently said, This, the fathers tell us, is the mother of God. If this were true, our lances would draw blood. But since she sheds none, it is all trickery and deceit. And then he, like, stabbed it with his lance, like a portrait of Mary. Dang. Yeah um and when he was i really like that i know right That like, was well said <laughs> I,
0: yeah like it's not obviously like it's a painting so like that wouldn't yeah. happen but it's like it's very deep mm-hmm.
1: yeah um and but once he's like he, once they were caught and they found out that was him who like destroyed the painting of mary um they sent him to the galleys with other um like to, as like a punishment and the other slaves there, quote, struck him, buffeted him, kicked him, and abused him with words as an enemy of the Virgin. Um, and, and sorry, one mm-hmm. question. The slaves, they're the slaves of the
0: Spanish people, or they're the slaves of the, um, like, Native people, or? I think
1: they were slaves of the Spanish people, but they were Native. That's what's, like, interesting. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, I just... But because the... Um-
0: like, king of that village that was against Chitwanga's village. Ch-trangla. she He said, that like, he was going to make her into a slave. Yeah.
1: And, but he's native, so the natives also had slaves. Yeah, he actually, the reason he the reasoning he used for making Kakwenga his slave was that he said that, like, his, her mother was, like, his father's slave or something like that, and so, like, he owns mm-hmm. her, mm-hmm. which is really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, But I don't know if that was true or he just said that um yeah and yeah again just everything here is very limited and it's all taken with a grain of salt because it's from a single source I was extremely biased Mm um but I'm telling it anyways because that's all we have (laughs) um so but yeah the whole Virgin Mary portrait thing I think was really interesting as a parallel between the two religions because both really highly honor women um and how that like it just seems like the the Catholic respect for Mary was even more amplified in a culture that's always elevated women as like a holier Mm -hmm. status than men. And so then when the native slaves like saw that he had like desecrated like a woman's portrait, like, cause there was other like Christian relics in that chest that they destroyed, but it was like specifically Mm -hmm. the Virgin Mary thing that everyone was like stuck on. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I will say um, another account, That Actually, yeah, I guess there is another account, but it didn't have that much information. But it says that this guy was executed and doesn't include the whole, like, abusing and, like, um, other slaves, like, attacking him. So Mm -hmm. I'm not 100% sure. But if it's true, it's an interesting thing. Makes for a good story. Yeah. (laughs) And maybe it's, like, both are true. Maybe he was, like, abused by other people and then he was executed. Um, Yeah. But, yeah. So... The same year, there were other uprisings in the region. We don't have to get into all the details, but I will say that one of them involves a stairway made out of a Spanish person's bones, which oh, sounds okay. harsh, but probably well deserved. Because, but also,
0: it doesn't sound like it would get you very far. I know, because... I was thinking about
1: that because it was his shin bones, and there's not that many. So I'm... yeah, so it would be two yeah. steps. Yeah, I think it's just like an entry step, you know, like when you like go up to your door.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so they were getting pretty pretty aggressive. Um mm-hmm. and yeah, I don't think I like included this, but this was the part where like um the author Duarte was like so upset and I was like, yeah, like but what do you expect? Like you people are coming in here and being so mean, like people are going to bite back. Um yeah, but I mean, I don't I don't know
0: maybe you just wouldn't expect to like have your friend become a staircase <laughs> yeah. like, for, sure,
1: for sure i feel like that would be fairly shopping. yeah fair enough um but i wouldn't expect my country to be invaded and taken over for 500 years so yeah you know this is true tip for tap um <laughs> um but yeah so what really matters in these uprisings is that afterward the governor of manila sent soldiers to the region and they discovered that the, um that, like, intrigue about Kukwenga was what was, like, really, like, stirring these uprisings. Um, mm-hmm. And so they blamed her for the multiple rebellions, calling her, quote, a sorceress priestess of the devil. So uh... Yes, girl. I love it. <laughs> um, I don't think it was
0: meant to be a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> but can you think of a fiercer name to
1: have? Yeah. Um, also, like, this is, like, all we, like, we don't know anything about the past her enslavement. So, like, she's, all, for all we know, she's just up in the mountains, like, farming for her, like, mm-hmm. slave owner. Like, and they're just being, like, you're a sorceress, priestess of the devil. And she's, like, I'm just, like, planting, like, rice. doing my thing. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so that's, like, all we know about her. Um, and after the, like, the soldiers came from Manila, Apparently, the Malagueg sought out Fray Pedro and asked him once again to return to Nowfotan. And that's when he built churches and convents and baptized many people. Among them was Pagulion, who took the name Louis, and his sister, who took the name Louisa at this time. Mm. So they were finally baptized. Um, but yeah, after the Catholic Church was reestablished there, the Spanish wanted to keep it that way. And clearly, Fray Pedro was not up to the task because he came before and there was like like a million uprisings in the course of one year. So the right way to do it is get a girl in charge. So that's where the music yeah. comes in. Um, her brother passed away at a pretty early age in 1620, but she sustained the Catholic mission and spread Christianity throughout her village. At the time that Adorty wrote this, um, like as I said, he like knew Louisa so she was still alive. Um, he, um, he, reco- he referred to her as Dona Luisa Balinan, so like kind of a fancy title. Um, mm-hmm. And yes, yeah, he said that she was like still revered by many. and she was called a chief tennis, um, which I guess is just like a girl chief. Um, okay. yeah. <laughs> and to remain devoted to spreading the catholic faith she was also a teacher which once again is just a great example of women in leadership being accepted in the christian church in the philippines whereas even now in the west like in the catholic church there are no female priests um so i don't know like they didn't give her a title i don't know if she was more like a nun or something or like what but they didn't i think they would have like said if that's what it was they just said she was like Mm -hmm. a teacher um Mm -hmm. and she was also well known as a peacekeeper when it came to social disturbances people would come to her for guidance and in 1626 which was just 18 years after the conversion of the city more than 4,627 people had been baptized um that's a really specific number I don't remember why, <laughs> it's like, but it's more than that. Like, that's the specific number, but it's also more than that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, so obviously Louisa ended up on the right side of history because the one person who wrote about her in Kikwenga, like, liked her more. Yeah. Um, and that's why we know so much more about her and, like, her contributions to her village and, like, Filipino society than we do of Kakwenga, and I find it really strange that Kekwenga who had so much influence over her allies and even her enemies um, we just still don't have that much information about her Um, and I also think it's kind of fascinating that Kakwenga and Luisa found themselves on opposite sides of this war which was not only like a physical war but also a spiritual and cultural war even though Mm -hmm. they were actually so similar They were both devout women who clung to their religious beliefs, um, but they still just couldn't see eye to eye. Um, And for both of them, their womanhood was a powerful tool that they used to lead people towards their own spiritual truth. So, yeah, that's the story. Um, I have more to say, but any thoughts or questions on that? Yeah. So at the time of
0: Chikwenga. No okay okay at the name of kukwenga's uprising mm-hmm. louisa she was
1: already catholic
0: or she wasn't she
1: was but she wasn't baptized because they hadn't had like oh, an okay. official european church presence there they had made their own church
0: mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. she
1: had like adopted the faith in her heart but wasn't like she didn't have i don't think she had the name louisa um mm-hmm. at the time yeah because it was, like, the second return of Fray Pedro that is mm-hmm. when they, like, got baptized.
0: Um, this is so crazy. Like, what a crazy story. Yeah.
1: And this is, this is very different from the episodes we usually do because it's really just, like, one event that, like, brought these women together. And, like, they were, like, t- they weren't even, like, frenemies. <laughs> they were just rivals. <laughs> um, they didn't, like, grow up. I mean, maybe they grew up together, but we don't know anything about their early life, but they were mm-hmm. in the same village from the same people um yeah she one was like a chief sister so she was like a high class wealthy woman but um mm-hmm. was a like a babylon so that's also kind of high status so they might have been in similar circles but but
0: if um Kukwenga was a babylon then and that's like a high status mm-hmm. person how come that other chief of the other
1: enemy village said that her mother was his dad's like well one for one you don't necessarily have to be born into being of a bylon Um, you like mm -hmm. i said it's like like if you have like a religious experience kind of Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. like a life-altering experience um but also i just don't know if that's true or like if he was just saying that yeah you know yeah
0: but that is kind of cool because like in so many like places like during this time period like there's no like social class mobility mm-hmm. but and especially for women other than like marrying yeah. someone but so she's able to like potentially if her, the truth was about her mom being mm-hmm. a slave um you know be upwardly mobile mm-hmm.
1: by like her own yeah you know works and stuff yeah for sure. Um, but yeah, so that's the story of our, that's our sistery, but the <laughs> story doesn't end there. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of, not a lot, but there's some interesting scholarship out there about Filipina nuns that talks about how Filipina women turn generations of intense religious devotion as babylons into their new faith as Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll definitely link that book in our blog. Um, Additionally, um, Filipina women today are still practicing and in some cases reclaiming their ancient religion. So in 2009, four Filipina women founded the Center for Babylon Studies. And the, the like, goal of this center is to bridge those in the diaspora with living Babylons of the Philippines and with indigenous living traditions. So connecting like Filipina women all over the world with like actual Babylon, so they can learn about their religion through them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, one of the founders has like this really nice quote about Babylon's that just gives a kind of more modern perspective on it. The um, Babylon's were and are our scientists, physicists, astronomers, oracles, doctors, masters of the arts, mixed media, poetry, and music. And I just think that's like really cool and beautiful that they like had so many contributions to society. Mm-hmm. And the Center, um, the Center for Babylon Studies even has a podcast called Cultivating mm. Kapwa. And Kapwa means like a space, like a space for people, kind of. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's a space and teaching platform for decolonizing the way we think. And they also recommend a book called The Song of the Babylon: Living Voices, Medicine, Spiritualities of Philippine Ritualist Oralist Healers. It's a mouthful, just like a Facebook. case <laughs> book. <but laughs> um, you can just call it the song of the Babylon. <laughs> um, but yeah, so women today are still writing about this. I think that the Center for Babylon Studies shows like another version of sisterhood. These four women who came together and were like, I really hate the fact that our religion was stamped out of us like hundreds of years ago. Mm-hmm. Let's reclaim it. Let's teach people about it. They have, like, conferences, a podcast, all of these amazing things, just cultivating kapwa and also cultivating community and, like, all that good stuff. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you're interested in learning more, you can also find videos of traditional babylon rituals and dances on YouTube that are being performed nowadays. And I'll share a few on our blog. Um, But, yeah, so um, I think, like, I've said pretty much everything I – want to say but just some concluding thoughts um even though we didn't have like a perfect straightforward example of sisterhood today i would argue that Babylons in general past and present are one large sisterhood connected by faith and a willingness and a willingness to defend that faith whether it involves the hard work of decolonizing your mind as modern day Babylons must do or succumbing to slavery as kikwenga did so yeah, good job, ladies. Keep fighting the good fight. A person that you're saying good job to yourself oh. and I was like,
0: okay. Okay, Marva,
1: you think I didn't do a good job? <laughs> no, you didn't do a good job.
0: I was thinking like you're such like an academic. You've got like your thesis, <laughs> st- statement and everything. Yeah. Um but yeah, I think it's like a super interesting story and one it would make a great movie. So Check out Sister Rita movie, coming to theaters. <laughs> what new about new? a
1: musical?
0: <laughs> the movie will come before the musical because you can't do okay. live um, shows right now. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's like, um, it's like a shame that there's not like more information about like them as people, but like, they both still sound like super interesting people and like so passionate about each of their things you know like Louisa, you know, she's doing what she thinks is right, even if it's like not having a great effect, and so is Kachanga. Marva ah!
1: <laughs> That's not her name. That's a casino name near us in our hometown. No, that's
0: Pajanga.
1: Oh my
0: gosh. Um, Kakwenga. Kakwenga. Kakwenga is also, you know, doing the thing that she thinks is right. But then is also like leading a rebellion that is going to get like people killed and like all this kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. it's like they both have the best of intentions, but maybe yeah. aren't leading to the best of results. Um, yeah. But it's weird because even though they're doing two opposite things, it seems like none of them is really the necessarily the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which probably there's a right way to go about it. Maybe somewhere in there or maybe there's not.
1: Yeah, I wonder if if they had been working together, like I said, because they're, like, so similar at their Mm -hmm. core, like, what they could have accomplished, you know, if, like, Louisa had, like, negotiated on, like, the, on Kekwinga's behalf, and been, like, let these people, like, live here and practice their own religion, like, we don't Mm -hmm. need to convert absolutely everyone, Mm -hmm. Um, and if Kakwinga could have, like, calmed people down and been, like, okay, we don't need to keep having, like, these revolts. Yeah, you don't Um, need to
0: burn your own house down.
1: yeah. But also, I don't know, I definitely, like, side more with Tequenga, just, like, because one is the invader, you know, and, like, mm-hmm. Luisa was, like, a great asset to to the Spanish, but I feel like they're kind of, like, using her at some point, you know. Just Yeah, like, but
0: Luisa's the one who, like, comes out on top, you know, and I feel I like know. you've got to give her credit for, like, you know, doing whatever She's it the takes right to survive. Yeah, no, um... for sure. Cool. Well, I hope that we can get some uh, listeners thoughts and stuff on this episode, because I think it's like a super interesting topic that I had literally zero knowledge about mm-hmm. um, before this. And I feel like I'm going to be thinking about this for a while.
1: Um, yeah. And there are like, I will, like I said, I'll include some other women. Um, the issue with um, like sharing this topic is like dates and names and like paintings and stuff are not always like super easy to come by Um, but I will like share what I can just so you guys can know about like how influential um, women were in pre-colonial Philippines and all the cool princesses and Mm -hmm. stuff like that Um, yeah yeah. I also I had
0: one other question that I forgot which was do you know anything about like the ages between Louisa and Kaquangga what do you
1: mean the ages? Like, their age difference? Yeah, like, are they the same age as one of them? Older, I don't know when they younger. were born. hmm There's, I couldn't find, like, I looked up, like, bi- I was trying to find, like, biographical information about them. I can't really find anything. If you look up Kekwenga, it's just, like, Kekwenga's revolt is, like, pretty much the only thing that comes up. hmm Yeah. It's like, cool that she's a revolt named after her. I don't know, right? <laughs> um, But, yeah, and it's mainly, like, her contributions to... Nal Fulton and like the church community there
0: mm-hmm. yeah so in the movie that we're making do you want to be Luisa or you want to be
1: I just want to write it Marvel we can't hi- we have to hire Filipina people to play this
0: okay well whatever
1: <laughs> um, yeah but yeah it's amazing Um. oh also there's kind of random but there's a song called Us and it's like a Filipina song like a song by a Filipina artist and I feel like I have a better understanding of it now like knowing the history because it's like um there, like there's this line that says like there are so many privileges like you don't have you'll never have but like there's one privilege they can't take away and that it's like being born a Filipina and I just mm-hmm. think it's like it always gives me chills and I'm like yeah and then I'm like Sabrina <laughs> you're not <laughs> you're not Filipina but um yeah just like Like they have like so much power, like like pulsing through their veins. So Mm -hmm. something to be proud of. It is a privilege. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Thank you for me too. Okay. All right. Signing off. this This is is oh my gosh literally perfect
0: that sounded like i think that sounded good on my side too i know who are we see this is what we have to do we just have to keep that positivity above uh, one percent and yeah here we go we want
1: to remind you that we're on facebook twitter and instagram you can find us on all of those just sistery untold and that's a great way to connect with us and stay up to date with what's going on on the show and we'd love to hear from you in our dms or messages if you have any episode ideas or questions so definitely check those out we also have a patreon and we would love your support if you search for us on patreon At Sister Untold, or go to our website and click join the Sisterhood. There's a lot of information about it there. But essentially, by supporting us on Patreon at any tier, you get access to the Sisterhood, which is a discussion forum on our website where we talk about the episodes. And you also support us to do things like buy new microphones so we don't get more complaints about our sound quality, which I seem (laughs) to get very often. (laughs) And you also can just help us keep doing this podcast as not just a labor of love but also a labor of a little bit of money so yeah yeah and another
0: way you can definitely help support us if you like the show is by leaving a review uh wherever you listen to podcasts or on apple podcasts is one of the best places to leave a review um because that just helps people find out about our show and us reach new listeners as well as you spreading the word through word of mouth telling your friends family um sharing our posts on instagram sharing our episodes with anyone who you think would like to listen uh but so please find us on apple podcasts if you have an iphone and leave us a five-star review and let us know what you think about the show